to the Life and Light podcast. All right. I am Michael Foss, and I am the host here of the Life and Light podcast. And today is a special day because it is the first technical episode of the podcast. And today um, we have a special guest. And so uh, why don't you introduce yourself? This is Michael Foss. Glad to be here and uh, uh, definitely um, look forward to all the um, responses that we get uh, uh, from, from this and uh, get glad to see the um, resources and the connections that uh, others can make through this. I think it's a, an awesome way to see the body of Christ connect in, in lots of different ways and be encouraged and um, inspired to, to do more. Today, what we want to do is kick off our series, and this series is The Gospel and the Gathering. And we just want to spend this episode uh, with definitions. I want to just define uh, three words uh, or three ideas, and that is what is the gospel? And that's where we'll start. Uh, we're going to talk about what is the church. And then we're going to talk about what is worship. Because I think the gospel can be something that's been boiled down to one simple phrase or uh, one simple idea, and we lose some of its weightiness. Uh, the church, like we just mentioned, is um, is sometimes metaphysical and we we can't tangibly understand what the church is or for and then uh worship is something that means millions of things yeah that's a big... <laughs> so uh let's dive in to what is the gospel so in your you don't have to be super concise but give maybe a definition of what you believe the gospel is well, you know, we hear all the time that the gospel is good news. Yeah. And, and, and that is what it is. I mean, it is good news. I think a lot of times we uh, see the gospel as a compilation of uh, teachings from Jesus. Um, uh, and, and it is the news that he brought. It is the lifestyle that he modeled. It was... Um, even uh, what he did for us. Um, but I like one real thought of the gospel going back to the actual use of the word and where they got it from. Uh, it did not originate with the church. Um, the gospel, uh, one of the first originations was in the Roman Empire. Uh, in fact, uh, soldiers and heralds would go throughout the uh, uh, the Roman Empire, and I know one major one was when uh, Augustus became Caesar. Uh, they went to each province and proclaimed the gospel of the rise of Caesar Augustus. Hmm. And so the gospel um, was this declaration that there has been a change, that we are now in a new order. And um, so they went out making sure that you serve Augustus. Mm. And there was this declaration of a change. Uh, it, it was 
uh, it would also be proclaimed when a great vi victory, when they in battle and the victory was finally won, the enemy had been defeated. They sent out the gospel, which is a declaration that we are no longer at war. We are now victors. And now we live in this new order. Mm -hmm. And so it's a declaration of a new order. And I think um, maybe we've missed that, that the gospel is not about a call for you to live a certain way. Um, and we'll talk about that later. Um, it, it's not about a teaching. And, and it's not just, oh, hey, good news. But it is a declaration that we are now under a new uh, uh, order. And by order, I don't mean a command, but the way things work that we have now been given the opportunity to change to a new reality. Um, and that new reality is that Jesus Christ has uh, uh, ushered in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So really, the gospel is the declaration that you are invited to live in a new order uh, in the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of this world. And so then um, there's a lot of things, of course, the gospel, that's just what it is. And then it's, it's, it's finding out what is this new kingdom and how does this new order work? Uh, but the good news is that we have a, a new, a change that there has been a, uh, a victory, uh, a, a war has been won. And now we have, um, uh, a new uh, reality uh, available to us, and I, I that think is through Christ. I think there's something really cool that we can do, uh, even just in so like this idea of just defining the term the gospel and what it means uh, into three kind of main parts, and and just even it within that same metaphor is the gospel is a proclamation of a king. Mm -hmm. The gospel is the proclamation of the victory of his kingdom. And the proclamation of the gospel is what is coming. And in Christianity, if you take that metaphor of the king is on his way, uh, or there is a new king, his kingdom is winning, and his kingdom is coming, that is what we would hold on to as hope for Christianity. There, we need to hear over and over again who the king is. And the new order is Jesus. The king is Jesus. Well, those heralds would go out in yes. front because um, uh, it, would, it would foreshadow yep. um, the kingdom coming. In other words, um, the kingdom has been established, yep. and now you need to be prepared because it's coming. Yep. And so there's going to be some reforms, and there's going to be freedom. Uh, there, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the declaration at the end of the Civil War, the war has been won, slavery is done. Now, it took a while. And We're we, still I mean, fighting we are through still, it. Yes. We are still seeing the unfolding of that, but it has still been declared. declared yeah. And um, uh, we can live in that reality even while we wait for the continuing unfolding of that. And so God has declared freedom to us that even though we live in a a bondage world we uh, as members of this new kingdom can already live in that freedom within while we wait for the king to come and continue and finalize uh what has been already declared yeah yeah i think that's uh that's so pivotal for us just from a basic 
understanding of the gospel to see that it truly is good news. Yes. And the, and, and the rest of it all kind of like what you said, it, it will get worked out. Yes. But, but at the base level understanding of what is the gospel and maybe how can it inform how we gather is going to start with, well, it's good news about a king, about his victory, and about the consummation of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of times in our churches, we forget that the kingdom is still on its way. Right. That we are still yearning and working for and waiting for our king to return. Uh, this is something that in art and in creativity, we've seen done so well with guys like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. If you read The Last Battle or you read The Return of the King, you will understand the gospel in this metaphor that it has to do with the consummation of a kingdom, the victory of a king and a king. Mm-hmm. And those three kind of facts about the gospel are what we dive into. So with that, let's go, let's go a little deeper and now answer the question. And, and just, just before we do that, I, I want to focus on that, that, that the gospel um, is something that has already taken place. Yes. And I think many times we think we've got to bring the gospel about. We simply declare the gospel, but it's already been done. I think many Christians carry a burden of I've got to work harder and yeah. I've got to be good. No, this is the whole point of the gospel. It's a declaration. That's already been done. Yep. And so the gospel is about what has been done, which is why Paul talks about uh, in Romans that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Yep. It's the power that already has taken place. Yep. You you did not do anything for it. Yep. You're just receiving the news and you're just going to share the news, but it happened uh, around you. Yep. It is not something that you do. It's something that has happened. Yep. And that's where our joy is, is that it's already happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And so let's look a little bit deeper into the gospel. And I think that there are some what is this message then? What it what is the the breakdown of this good news? I think um one of the parts of the gospel that uh gets overlooked is the beginning. And the beginning of the gospel is both God. And God creates, mm-hmm. and I think creation, uh, which is what we're going to look at next week, we're going to we're going to dive into creation and how it informs uh, how we gather and how we worship, and and that theology of creation and how why it's important to us as the church. But the gospel starts with God is in the beginning, and He created, and I think that speaks volumes to maybe us as creatives, those of us who who really long for creativity in the church to use, again, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, he coined a phrase uh, that is called sub-creator. And when he builds fairy tale lands and stuff like that, he refuses to call it creation because we can only ever create as humans right. based upon something that is already true and, and factual, which is creation. So even when we make up made up lands, we use physics that it, it that or we use like anti physics, which is still based on the reality of creation, something that has already been created. So that's super 
super important. And then after creation, uh, what what comes after creation in in Genesis? Well, of course, uh, we have the fall. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't like to think of that, but it is a key, key part because uh, if we refuse to acknowledge the fall, we can never receive uh, the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. If if uh, there was no battle at play, there's no victory over anything. Um, and there was clearly uh, a falling in Genesis when and this is the cool thing about the gospel is that it doesn't just tell us that we've failed God, but it says that we failed. And then in Genesis three, in the midst of our failing, God promises victory. Yep. There, there was never a doubt in God's mind of, oh, my goodness, they let me down. What am I going to do? He said, yep, you let me down. And he never gave them a uh, pattern to make it right. Right. He never told them in the garden that, okay, now you need to, now you need to make this right. Um, no, uh, he said, I'm going to make it right. He, yeah. He said from the beginning, he says, okay, um, uh, down the road, uh, I'm going to bring forth a seed from woman, and uh, he's going to crush the head of Satan. Yep. And so um, that's kind of uh, a key thing that he never put on them the burden of, of fixing their own stake. So we fell. We said, you know what, God, I would rather worship creation over the creator. So we picked ourselves. I'll we, decide for myself right and wrong. Yep. That's, that's what it basically was. Yep. You told me this was bad. I'm telling you, no, this is good. And uh, we see that. And then we see the consequences of that. You're going to have to toil with the ground. Uh, men and women are going to be at odds with one another. Uh, pain and childbearing. The list goes on and on. You're going to sweat uh, to work the ground. There, there's going to be um, a whole lot of consequences. But I am going to redeem you. I'm going to reconcile you. And so uh, after the fall, we kind of have this promise of salvation um, in like a traditional liturgy. We would call this um, an assurance of pardon. He says this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So then he sends in this lull between the fall and Jesus, we have... Uh, covenants and we have proclamations of the kingdom still again mm -hmm. that it's coming it's still on its way and um we have the prophets and the next main part of the gospel would be uh the the fact that god came to earth so that is the the incarnation the coming of jesus we just celebrated that and what what do you think is so special about uh the incarnation in the gospel why do we need to worry about and i know we we kind of just blew through prophets and and the covenant and all that but we we got to kind of this yeah. is a condensed de definition uh which we're going to line these out week by week but for today with the incarnation what's so special about that why we should be proclaiming that well i think as we think about the way god um uh solved this sin problem was not a creation of um, a separated uh, status, but that 
God solve this problem by saying, I want you to be part of me and I will become like you. And so him taking on flesh um, uh, tells us that uh, the, the gospel kingdom that is proclaimed is one in which we are welcomed as family, mm-hmm. not as servants and not as um, uh, just a lower stat, status uh, of, of people, but that, um, and we are never divine or as God, but yet we are um, uh, family in that sense that, that he creates us in his image. And so when he became us, um, it, it puts that uh, uh, value uh, that we are valued uh, in who we are, that he would identify himself. And I think that's the identification um, uh, that he would take uh, so that we would become redeemed and, and truly children of God. Yeah, and I believe that it shows again that God is going to get this job done. And uh, there's a story with Abraham where he tells him to go sacrifice Isaac. And when he's there and he's about to sacrifice his son, he provides a sacrifice. So what Abraham thought was going to have to be his own dying on the cross in, Mm -hmm. I mean, on the altar, God said, no, no, I'm going to provide the sacrifice. And this is a foreshadow of we should be the ones on the altar. Right. Because of the fall, we do deserve to be the ones on that altar. Mm-hmm. And he should, as the father, be killing us because we are, we have sinned against him. We have chosen creation over the creator. But when Jesus comes into the world, he says, I am providing that sacrifice. And it's me. I am the one. Um, and the significance, like you said, of, of him being flesh I think also speaks to it is the one thing that separates us from all other religions where every other religion says you must ascend to God. We are the only ones that believe. No, no, no. God descended to us. Yeah. And that, that shows a level of love and compassion and grace and mercy that no other religion can touch. Yes, because he identifies with us. That's right. no, no other God identifies with us. We're either playthings uh, or we Workers. are just uh, people that just worship to please them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is not how God uh, sees us or created us. And so, uh, yes, it also removes, again, that burden that we many times try and put on ourselves and we continue to try and put it on us that we've got to work it out. Yep. And it's a reminder that you cannot do anything yeah. to establish this kingdom. So the gospel, this declaration of the kingdom did not come by anything that you did, but I um, uh, stepped out um, in my love and in my devotion to you uh, to accomplish that. And so uh, it takes off you know, him becoming flesh and taking on our sin and becoming sin actually, again, uh, takes off that burden of responsibility um, uh, from us of 
causing it to yeah, happen. Causing it, and, yeah. and so um, I think uh, many times we live in that, even though we know that, that uh, uh, we continue to do that. Now, it's not that he did not remove all responsibility, but the responsibility of the gospel is is not uh, for us, but that yeah. he reached down to us. and We could never have reached up to him. Yeah, so we have creation, we have the fall, we have redemption. This is uh, in redemption is the cross of Christ, uh, the incarnation of Christ and the cross of Christ. Uh, the fact that not only did God establish a kingdom of love and identifying with us and mercy and grace and compassion, but he also became um, the, the bearer of our sinfulness at the cross to redeem us and to ultimately the last part is reconcile us to himself. Right. That Jesus came um, for not only our price to be paid so that we can be free of sin's curse, but so that we can again be like him. Right. And, and this is the promised kingdom that is not yet. We have reconciliation. We know that that's true, but we're not experiencing it in full yet. We have not received the glorification yet. Yeah, and, and there will be a new body when everything is made new. And and but there's a reason for that. It is not that. Well, what's God waiting for? And, and this is where we see, um, you know, why we've been declaring the gospel for two thousand years since Jesus accomplished it. You might say, well, it was if this is something that was done, it was done when Jesus rose from the grave. Yeah, when he rose from the grave, it says that he put all the enemies to shame he 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 in heavenly places he paraded them in in front of them as defeated enemies yep. and yet we're still declaring gospel but it, it is the reason is that he is so compassionate uh, that he is not willing that any should be left out of this and yet um it is up to us to receive that declaration yeah um, and so he is patient in that. And, yes, and this is. is where we have that picture of mercy. Yeah. Uh, and so we have been waiting all this time because every time someone is born, God is giving them that chance. And we don't know when that last person uh, will have that last chance. And finally, he said, OK, everyone has had a chance. The last person that I have been waiting for and been patiently giving that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but when that happens, then we will see the ushered in final consummation yep. uh, of that. But we live in a, in a gracious time of patience. Yeah. I believe that um, one of the main reasons why we haven't experienced the end of days, if you will, is because God uh, has his time and has his people and wants his kingdom to be completed. And then after Jesus he dies, he's resurrected. We get into um, the second part of the three that we're going to talk about. He establishes a church. So in Acts, we have um, the disciples gathered together. Holy Spirit comes upon them. Miracles happen throughout Acts, and a church is established. Why in the world does he create a church. I, 
I don't think it was a new creation. I think, again, I think it was just a transformation of what was already there throughout. Again, uh, we're going to go from uh, this, this I, I love the Old Testament, um, and, and I think as Christians, we never put away the Old Testament because that was the foreshadowing, that was the foundation that, that, that revealed the character of God, the principles of God, and he always had a people. Yeah, He had a people from the very beginning, and it was never meant to be a a favoritism his choice of jacob um, over esau was not a favoritism it was uh, his choice of abraham uh, over uh, others was not a favoritism unconditional it was a it was a choice of a conduit that you are going to be my conduit to the whole world yeah now after jesus dies i think now it just goes, goes the other way that now the whole world is brought into that people and so uh, his people uh, become uh, all of those that will believe. And so uh, the reason he focuses on the church and the body and the people of Israel before that is that the whole character of God is about relationship. And, and so the reason we have church and we have this focus on on you know, the body and gathering um, because uh, God in his nature loves uh, relationship. Uh, and that's who he is. In fact, his very nature, the, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It, it has been an eternal relationship of love and giving and honoring and, and um, uh, uh, living with each other so that when he now declares his gospel to us. We are now welcomed into the same thing, a community. Yep. So community is the very nature of God. So how could he not, now that he declares it, create within us a similar uh, type of uh, existence? Yeah, I think I think um, this morning when, when we were on the Monday morning mood and I put the quote up on Instagram, you said that we were created to image the glory of God in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And that is that God exists in perfect community as the Trinity. And the church is the image of that community or is supposed to be. Yes. And we, we fail all the time, but that's just what happens. And, and the cool thing about it is we're not uh, just one people anymore in the sense of, race so before it was pretty much just the jewish bloodline however gentiles were oh yeah allowed to be saved and have faith in yahweh and and again throughout the old testament in fact he commanded them yeah love the foreigner yeah bring the foreigner in yes and, and even told abraham i'm blessing you to bless the world yep and, and, and so, so so then in acts there's this beautiful thing that happens with pentecost and and tongues and we see what i like to call the reversal of babel so Babel, God created um, scattering. a scattering of people and language. And then on Pentecost, he unites language and uses it to preach his gospel. Peter stands up and says, you are not, we are not crazy. This is the truth and you are going to believe it. And thousands of people get saved. And so what, then what do we do with, with people from all these different nations in one place? They gather they become essentially the church. Jerusalem becomes um, the hub of, of kind of Christianity at that time. 
And this idea, like you said, from the Old Testament simply continues on. And the disciples have to wrestle with this. Mm -hmm. So Paul's writing letters to the church. You're failing at this. Stop treating people differently. Gentiles, you're not more loved because of how cast out you were before. Jews, you're not more loved because you, rejected. you were rejected. Um, th there is no, no, no. We are one. And we see the prayer of Jesus in John 17 coming to fruition that we would be one even as he is one with the right. Father. So I think you hit that on the head. Community um, and relationship is is in the nature of God and the church um, is supposed to image that. So now I want to just ask, how do we what is the function then of the church? How do we image God as the church? Well, you know, the key there uh, you can break it down in lots of different uh, expressions of that but it's love we are to love one another yeah i mean we know that they asked jesus what's the two things we could do to live life love god with all your heart and love one another yep. as yourself so the church is called to love one another and, and that means love one another in the church yeah it means love one another around you yep um to draw the church now that expression like anything love is expressed in lots of different ways um uh, love is expressed in um, uh, encouraging others, yep. in in training them up. Um, we we talk, you know, you think of your family, you love your kids, and so therefore you teach, you know, you teach your kid to ride a bike. Yeah. And there's joy in that. There's love, and now you have a new skill. And, yep. and so, uh, love is in discipleship. Love is in uh, evangelism, reaching out to others and inviting them in. Um, uh, love is in um, uh, serving one another. We, we know Jesus said, I, I've called you to serve. You know, when you ask Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Then feed my sheep, yeah. serve them. Yeah. So there's all these expressions, but those expressions sometimes get the focus and we turn it into a program or we turn it into an institution or an organization that does these things. Yeah. And we forget that those are just expressions of it. We are meant, we need to come back to the normal thing of why we are. We are simply to live life together yep. and love one another yep. and to journey together in love and in community. Yeah. Um, and I think um, uh, it, it's why I think so many people not, and we don't want to get into a fight with those that, you know, in the middle of this pandemic, whether we should meet together or in the church or outside the church, um, uh, think that is, is only becomes uh, really a focal point of conflict when we've forgotten what we, we are meant to journey together anyway and like family i don't always see my family uh, uh every day um there's times we might go extended periods without meeting together but that does not stop my relationship with you and i yeah. still walk in relationship and there's other ways we connect so don't get caught up into how many times we meet together yes we are not you we need to keep those connections together, but it's the relationship that's more important than the program, the schedule, uh, even the the specific, uh, you know, place and and way that we interact. The question is, are we interacting? Yeah. Are we are we walking in relationship? Are we caring about one another? Yeah. Um, are we reaching out to one another? Yeah. You know, if the only way we could reach out was through Zoom, or but are you doing it? If yeah. you're reaching out and building relationships, that's more important than the technical aspects that we get too focused on. Well, we have the church, and this is the reason why we're making these definitions, or at least 
we're breaking down our ideas on the gospel and the church and worship is um, a lot of people view the church as the gathering. And I don't believe that that is true. Now, the church gathers, but the right. church is not the gathering. Um, the church is the community of believers that fellowship with one another, that that worship with one another, that um, teach one another, encourage one another, all these things that you're talking about. But um, what I wanted to read real quick is Ephesians 4 kind of gives us through its um, explanation of the gifts to the church, tells us a little bit of what the church is. And so in Ephesians 4, uh, starting in 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So this is a, a defining the church is in community with the one God, and they are one, just as God is one. And then it um, skips down and says uh, Jesus essentially accomplishes this for us. He ascends to heaven and uh, gives us this promise. Uh, and in 10, it says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. The church is the saints building up each other's faith. Essentially, that's a that's a summary of this verse. But he's basically saying the church exists for this reason, and that is to attain to the unity of faith by the building up of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So there's there's functions on how we do that, like gathering together and communion and singing and teaching and all that. But the goal is to be the body of Christ. And that's relationship. Exactly. Just that is that is well, I should say this. It's purposeful relationship. Exactly. See, th and this is where some people say, well, I can ju just be with my family and we'll be our own little church. Yeah. But see, that's not that that is an in ingrown uh, relationship that is natural. But the the body of Christ is that there is a purposeful uh, uh, relationship that we reach out, which is why yeah. Jesus told them to go. Yeah. Um, uh, we cannot just stay insular, but we are to go um, uh, and. So there must be an intentional, uh, uh, intentional act of relationship yeah. uh, outside of just our own little life, which That's is right. why I don't believe you can be a Christian and just live your life and not be a part of a local church. And I think then Paul kind of gives us a metric. So if you're in a small church or in a small community and you're asking yourself, oh, man, are we being healthy? Mm -hmm. Are we are we healthy as the body of Christ in our community? And I would even say maybe even beyond just your one church, but as a group of churches in a city, we should ask this question because it says um, when each part is working properly. Mm -hmm. So that would assume health because we are a body. The body. That's the other is in relation. If it's working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the saints with every joint doing its part. Exactly. So as the saints, meaning what we would define as saints is any believer in the church. Mm -hmm. Your job is to help build one another up in love. And so are we healthy? I don't know. Are we building one another up in love or are we calling our are we causing divisions? Are we causing dissension? Are we not loving? Or we are are we part of a complacency that is holding us just down and being safe and comfortable? Yeah. And you know, we can do that to one another. Absolutely. I, I can be an influence that says it's okay and, and I can actually yeah. are we uh, not pushing it because in Hebrews it says the whole reason to come together. Now we use that a lot to come to church, but it's not about going to church services. It says, don't neglect the gathering together so that you might exhort one another. That's right. To push each other forward. Yeah. So in other words, we're to spur one another on. And remember the, the, the word there, spur, is like a cattle prod. Hey, we've been too, too still. Come on. We yeah. got to get going. Yeah. We got to move forward. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we pushing each other to do more, to get better, yeah. uh, to, um, to make a difference in the world? And that's the other purpose of the church yep. is light and salt, that you are salt. in the, And if salt loses its saltiness, it's no good for anything. That's right. And, and so. Um, uh, so the church, I believe, um, is exists for um, one another. And then the next part is it exists for the world around us, that our communities flourish by the power of God in his church. Right. That we should be so loving and so gracious and and uh, active in our neighbors' lives and communities' lives that they feel a difference because we're in it. Right. And and that is the city on a hill that shines in the darkness so that people can see um, the light of Christ. And so that is that is what the church is. Mm-hmm. One of the ways, and probably the main way that the church is different is in this last thing that is worship in our worship now when when i say worship i'm not talking about uh simply singing where we've created actually and this is something that i'm upset about in the christian world in some ways is we've created an industry out of worship by creating the christian music industry and uh, worship has been reduced to that. So people are... The, the industry is not bad, but what we've done with it. Exactly. And and it's it's allowed us to reduce worship to singing and to songs, uh, whether old or new. And I think we've lost the heart of what worship actually is. And so to, to kind of wrap all this up, when we look at worship, I just wanted to look at worse. And this is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. This is John 4. Jesus meets with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And he defines and tells us not only um, what worship is, but that we ought to worship. Um, and this is really cool. Uh, it says, so he meets this woman at the well, and she is confused and kind of what is going on here this man is telling me these things and she brings up this idea of well your people say we have worship in jerusalem and our people say we worship here in samaria 
Um, but basically, Jesus gets down to the heart of this, and he says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So um, I, I just want to say quickly that when Jesus encounters this question of worship, he plainly states that it's not about where you are. Exactly. It's about who you worship. Mm -hmm. And it's about um, how you worship. And he says, who you worship at the end here is me. How you're going to worship is in spirit and truth. And really, um, the time is now. Yep. And so uh, what is worship then? Because I don't see anything here necessarily about singing. Is Jesus talking about singing in spirit and truth? Or uh, what would he be talking about when it comes to worship? Quickly kind of give us your thoughts on what is worship. Um, I think when he says we must worship in spirit, what, what is the spirit? What is spirit? Um, when we were created, um, uh, we were dust, clay, uh, nothing until he breathed in the spirit of life. Yeah. And it is the breath of the spirit in us um, that gives life. Yeah. So when we think of the spirit, the spirit is a, the essence of our life. Yeah. So to worship God means that with the essence of your life, it is centered on and treasuring God because the name worship is, is worthship. In other words, what is worth to you? Yeah. Uh, so, so I worship something that I feel is worthy of my attention, my love, yep. uh, my my uh, dedication, my dedication, my dreams, my goals. Yeah. Um, so, Jesus is saying, "There's come a time, and it is now that you can, with a true heart, in other words, not not just putting on a show. Yeah. Uh, not not being the hypocritical uh, thing, but that." with your inner heart and your essence of your life, with everything you do in life, that your life is just centered around something that is so valuable to you yeah. that I treasure this. Yeah. And how you live your life is going to show what you treasure. And, and so he, he's saying we worship him when we treasure him. It's going to show in, in the choices we make in our life. It's going to show in the things we talk about. Yeah. It's going to show in, in how we spend our money. Um, uh, it, it's just going to show in what we love. Yeah. And, and so worship is going to show in music because we were created an emotional being and, and music is just a, 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 a part of our being. Yeah. But that's the pray. And this is why I don't call it service. That's the praise service. Yeah. Praise is part of worship, 
but praise is just one part of worship. Yeah. And so praise is important and it's great because many times praise ushers us into a focus of um, what is valuable to us. Yeah. And so praise does give us sometimes resources when we need to, to be drawn back to a remembrance or to an ex exclamation of it um and so praise is very important and and i don't want to minimize but it like you said it can't be reduced to praise exactly because that is then praise is what then should catapult us into our life where worship really shows up well and even biblically songs in the jewish tradition and even in the early church were not always uh praise in the sense that Sometimes they were stories yeah. and they would sing about things that happened. Sometimes that's how they taught their kids. Exactly. And so, so you know, I, I think you're right in that um, oftentimes what we call worship is praise, but also what we call worship is simply just a song service. It's just songs. Yeah. And they're great and they're good. And we need them because songs have a way of attaching our emotion to truth. Mm-hmm. Worship is not only song. It's not the source of our worship. Now it is one expression. Okay, so that's how we worship in spirit, is with our life. Our life. So dedicating our, our life, our treasure, our to heart. The, I would say dedicating our life to the pursuit of God mm-hmm. is worship. Yes, every part of our life to the pursuit yes. of God and His likeness, um, and then the truth would then be the logical next step is when we are dedicating ourselves to God. We must know God. Yeah. We have to know the truth. That's true. Too. And Jesus, yeah, Jesus here solidifies that this whole conversation in truth. How does he do it? He says, I who speak to you am he. Right. So when he says, You must worship me in spirit and in truth, the truth is I am the Messiah. Right. And she needed that. The woman at the wall needed well needed to know who the truth was mm-hmm. and jesus clearly has stated yeah. i am the way the truth and the life and so you want to pursue god and dedicate all your time and worship to him you do it by knowing him mm-hmm. well that is our pursuit to That's know right. him more and paul said that was his prayer in, in every church he prayed i pray that you would know him more yeah that you would know his love more, yeah. that you would know his power. That's right. And, and so we are all on that pursuit. In fact, that is the that is the journey of just knowing him. Yeah. And and um and and we learn that from one another. And that's yeah. another reason why we gather together because we all have little images of God. I'm only part of an image of God. You're a part of an image of God. Those watching are a different part of image. And the yeah. more I get to know you, I see a different part of God. Yeah. Through your experience. And if I don't have that experience together, if we're not relating to one another. Um, uh, we we get more of the truth. Um, God is not monochromatic. No, no. And we uh, are not. And so we need each other yes. to display the um, the beauty of God because he is not just one, one so thing. I think that is in everything that we do, I think it's important that we recognize the worship also be intentional that even mm-hmm. as we experience love with one another, even as we experience serve, when you are serving someone, there's something that should be in click, click in your mind. God received this as worship. Yeah. God, I'm doing this because I treasure you. Every time we, 
write out a check for tithes or, or whatever, or, or every time, you know, we just come alongside a brother and pray with them. Yeah. I'm, I'm praying with them. That's my focus. But there's also a part of me saying, God, let this be a pleasing worship because I, I do well, this. When you do things like good works and service and prayer, that is a sign that you worship God. Right. So you may be wondering, what the heck does this have to do with the series that's titled The Gospel and The Gathering? Well, I thought it was super important to define what is gospel and what is church and what is worship because when we talk about the gathering and the gospel, we have to know the foundation of what we're talking about. Yeah, you have to have a uh, uh, a structure to build a house around. Yeah. yeah, you can't just throw things up. So we have to understand those those uh, basic uh, purposes yeah. and uh, terms so that we can build a house that is is. Uh, uh, strong yep. and able to withstand and yet is also comfortable and gives life and yep. is a place of of warmth and um uh you know growth and we have to be built on and the it's rock. all on the foundation that's right of the gospel that's right that, that jesus is declared as the king that's right and that foundation like paul said we all build upon it and some of us build different yep but no other foundation other than the gospel that, that is why the gospel um has got to be Center. Yep. Yes. And so with that, we thank you so much. Um, because if you're watching this video, um, you are a supporter of this and we get to create more resources. And I, we thank you so much for that. All of our Patreon supporters next week, we are talking about creation. Um, and we're going to be looking at that part of the gospel specifically. Um, we're going to have a guest again next week. Um, and that's going to be a podcast only. But you can expect a month from now to have another video. So go spread the news that Life and Light is talking about the good news. And they can come and support and help us create materials and more ways to engage people with the gospel. I charge you with this. Be gracious and do good. Thank you. God bless.